Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi al-kareem wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in ama ba'da. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, viewers and listeners, welcome back to another Umfeed podcast with your host, Shabir Hassan. Alhamdulillah. I hope you're all having uh, an amazing day so far. And we hope you're enjoying, inshallah, the podcast and the discussions that we've been having with uh, different guests from around the world. Uh, we're going to keep that going, uh, of course, uh, today. With this next episode, uh, we have uh, another very special guest with us, alhamdulillah. Uh, someone who's, mashallah, he's traveled a lot again. Uh, and a lot of the guests that uh, we've had on the show so far, as you know, uh, we've spoken about travels quite a bit. Um, so that theme continues today, where we're going to hear about more experiences and more travels in places like Jordan, in places like the best of cities, al Medina as well, subhanallah. So we're going to hear a lot about that, inshallah. We have with us uh, someone uh, who, mashallah, has been working with the youth uh, quite a lot over the years. A lot of experience with youth work. Uh, someone who's also an imam and a teacher and a speaker. Uh, so we have uh, the honor of hosting uh, today, Ustad Omar Hajjaj. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. How are you, Sheikh? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Very good. Alhamdulillah. How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm well and uh, thank you again for joining us on the Umfeed podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's my, my honor, my pleasure to be here in, in Umfeed. A great project, mashallah, promoting positive, good news and good messages, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Barakallah feek, Sheikh. So it's, uh, I mean, like we mentioned, you've, you've traveled quite a bit. Uh, you haven't just stayed in the UK. Um, you've been around quite a bit. So we're going to, inshallah, discuss uh, a bit more about that. But really, where did it all uh, start for you? Uh, where did it start? You know, where were you born, and um, at what age did you come to the UK? Because I believe when you came to the UK, you settled in Kent, right? So, if you don't mind, just very briefly taking us through your journey, inshallah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu salam ala Rasulillah. So, originally, I'm from Palestine, Palestine, mm. um, and uh, it's my grandfather actually came to the UK. Uh, with his children, my father and, and my uncles. I was born in Kent, uh, in the UK. And uh, the main reason for being in the UK, coming to the UK, is um, my grandfather, he he lived in Jaffa, okay. Jaffa today in Palestine. And he actually lived for like nearly 100 years, mashallah. So he was actually born during the time of the Ottoman Empire. Mm. And he lived in Palestine during the Ottoman rule, yeah. during the British Mandate rule, and then finally the, the Israeli um, occupation. And it was only after the early 60s where he decided to move. Right. So it was 10 years after the Israeli rule. Um, life was very difficult for Palestinian families to make a living, uh, to trade, to move around, to have um, basic rights. Yeah. Uh, in particular, my grandfather, who was known in the Middle East for being uh, one of, if not the biggest, um, traders in uh, orange, oranges right. and citrus okay. fruits. So he was trading uh, his oranges from his grove to Palestine, to the Middle East, even to Europe. Mm. Um, but it was only after things were getting more difficult and there was more tax being implemented and then in the end he lost his his property his land um and then we went he he, he went to europe and yeah. uh, my father and uncle studied there they were they were teenagers at that time they studied here in the uk and yeah that's how 
we came as a family to to London or to the UK. Wow, subhanAllah. Um, I mean, just going back slightly, because I, I remember you, you, you posted something on social media as well, and even Elmfield, you know, shared uh, this yeah. post. Um, that's where I first came across, you know, this, this story. Mm-hmm. But just coming back to this place, Yafa, you said, right? Um, right, yeah. Uh, so is that actually where, because you mentioned your, your grandfather, he was mm-hmm. trading oranges and stuff. So is that where the, the Jaffa cakes co- yeah. co- come from? Because yeah? obviously, for, for those people who are listening or watching, yeah. if you've never had it, then obviously it's like an orange type cake, cake right? Yeah. I can't really explain it better than that. Yeah. So is that actually where it originates yeah, from? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the times I have to explain to people, yeah. uh, have you heard of Jaffa cakes? They say, yes, of course, so yeah. did, did good marketing. <clears throat> um, but yeah, J- J- Jaffa cakes, because... You can argue, mm-hmm. very strong argument, I think, that the best oranges in the world are from Yaffa. Okay. They are really, really good, mm. you know. Um, however, a lot, a lot of these companies are, are not run by Arabs or Palestinians. Of course, yeah. Um, anymore, so. Um, but yeah, that's where it comes from, Jaffa. Mm. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So that's something, as in, I, I had heard of it before, but you're the first person I'm meeting now that, mashallah, <laughs> you know, has that, has that personal link. So, uh, of course, you were born here. So when was the first time you then uh, visited Palestine yourself? Mm-hmm. When was that? Right. So um, my father or uncles, they, they didn't go back to Palestine Okay. when they came back, uh, when they came to the UK. My mother is Palestinian as well, but she's born in Jordan. Okay. So my uncles and my family from that side, they're all in, in Jordan. Um, so her father left Jerusalem. So my mum's side of the family, they're, they're from Al-Quds, they're from Palestine, uh, Jerusalem. Um, so as Jordanians, they became Jordanian citizens mm. as well. They couldn't go back to Palestine. Uh, my first visit was as, as, a, as a British uh, visitor. I went to Palestine in 2011. So it was a long time after. Mm. Um, that was my first time. I went with a non-Muslim um, organization, it was a charity um, that was spreading awareness and information about Palestine. Yeah. And I chose them in particular because they were very uh, neutral. They weren't biased, they weren't taking sides or anything. It was a group of 30 young people from Europe, Germany, Denmark, and we uh, stayed in Palestine and other parts for like a week. Mm. And it was very educational, eye-opening for me, very inspirational. It, it was a reason or for, for myself to... It was a turning point as well, I would say, that it made me come back mm. knowing much more and wanting to do much more to help mm. um, the Palestinian people and the situation. You know what it is, I think, <clears throat> with the, the younger generation nowadays, just an observation, uh, mm-hmm. you might agree or disagree, it's like um, they're not too, um, you know, there's there's not that connection with their roots anymore, yes. I, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, so they don't have any interest in going, whether you're from Palestine, whether mm-hmm. you're from Asia, regardless of which part of the world you're from, you don't really have that connection anymore, so you have no desire to sort of go back yeah. um, to see your land, to see your family there, uh, the language as well, you know, mm. you don't really take an interest in it. It's just English, whatever, like uh, in in the country that you're living in in the West. Yeah. So, do you feel like that's the case yeah. nowadays, like yeah. the youngsters? And I think it's it's unfortunate. I think there's so much greatness in our in our history. Mm. Every every type of history from every culture. Mm. I th- I think it, history should always be preserved, 
documented. Um, I've been like going around Newham a lot in East East London East End. Yeah. And all the shops they're run by a lot of them are run by Asians. The mm. markets is run by Asians because within the last thirty forty years in particular, there's a lot of immigrants from 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 Asia, Bangladesh, Pakistan. Yeah. And historically, this area was mostly, of course, white English people. Mm. And what type of businesses did they did they mostly have? So things like furnitures, carpet shops, bakeries. Yeah. So sometimes I go around, this is a weird hobby that I have, <laughs> in a high street yeah. looking for an authentic, I would call it, English shop that sells bakeries or, or, yeah. or furniture. And I find a few of them. And they're run down and they're very old. They probably don't make money or anything. Yeah. But I respect that it's still there because mm. it's... It's preserving the the family business. You might find a shoe repair shop, um, and I'll 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 ask them questions or I'll look at the tags if it says established eighteen nineties, nineteen thirty, ninety four, and I and I like that. So I think every we don't document our history anymore. Most people our age, they 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 don't know where their fathers were from their grandparents were from and that's and we look down sometimes on on our parents or grandparents mm. we think we're the educated people we we were born in the UK we went to university but not knowing that the gems the real gems the real mm. the true stories that historians will will die for yeah is in our living rooms with with, with mm. our parents and grandparents yeah. very true it's very true uh, and yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, you know. <clears throat> a lot of the youngsters, um, they're losing this. And I think with the language as well, that's that's one of the main things that mm. what I've observed, is that you know whether it's you know you're speaking Bengali or Urdu, or whether it's even the Arabic language, right? It's just like no, we just we just want to stick to English. We just want to mm. carry on with speaking English. We don't really take an interest in that. So, okay, fair enough. We see that in this generation, but then imagine by the time it gets to the next generation, mm. it's going to be completely lost because you know they're not going to even hear the stories yeah, about their their grandparents. So, subhanAllah, yeah. It's very interesting. Moving on then, so in terms of um, growing up in the UK, you said you, you're growing up in Kent. Um, so as normally, I take it, you went to college, you went to university. So what was what was that like? Because of course, we're going to transition. There's, there was a transition in your life that took place after university. But before we get to that, what was it like just going to university, um, that, that life basically? Because you went to University of uh, Roehampton, right? Yes. yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, I think... Uh, my my parents, uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them, preserve them. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father, he, he passed away, rahimahullah. Um, however, they didn't, the, we didn't have like a strict uh, religious uh, household. Mm. So I was never like asked, I wish I did, but I was never asked like to go to a madrasa, to memorize Quran, mm. to go to a weekend Quran school and so on. And... Uh, they gave us some sort of freedom. I mean, my mother is comes from a conservative family, so in terms of like adab, like manners and mm-hmm. etiquettes and how to speak to people and so on, that that was good. But there wasn't too much um, dean, uh, so it was only in my teens actually yeah. that I personally took that step and that journey to to wanting to become. Uh, more religious mm. and I think that helped me even with with my education I think that really made me think about what I want to study and uh, how to study it changed my outlook and my you know insight to things and so on um, 
so when I went to college mm. and chose my A levels, um, I was doing sociology as one of my subjects, and I really found it to be linked to studying Islam as well, um, because you can apply that knowledge um, by understanding society mm. and the main institutions that impact society. So if it's the education system, the family system, the law system, mm. um, religion, cultures, um, all of these influential institutions, um, studying them and then studying the theories, if it's globalization, if it's capitalism, if it's um, Marxism, feminism, all of these influential um, ideas and mm. movements. And I found um, it was it was quite enlightening with me studying on the side with, with the local teachers in the UK who might have studied in Medina or mm. the, the local imams. Um, so I, I remember I was doing around three lessons a week um, in the masjid uh, with my full-time college studies. Yeah. And to be honest, I used to look forward to that that Wednesday or that Thursday where I have an Islamic lesson in the evening. Mm. And although I, I enjoyed my academic secular s subjects, I used to um, <coughs> wish that I was in that same setup, yeah. same type of building, facilities, qualified teachers, motivated students, but everything just Islamic. Mm. So I really wish, uh, you know, I really wanted to go to to study abroad. Yeah. So from from my time in college, so I was my plan was to to go straight to Medina. Um, after college. After college, okay. so I applied towards the, the end of my first year. Yeah. Hoping that as soon as I get accepted, I can finish my college and, and then go go abroad. I was thinking about other places. Um, Egypt, Azhar. Yeah. Uh, Mecca, Umm Al Qura, and uh, surprisingly, uh, my heart wanted to go to Yemen as well. Okay. At that time, there was a center. Mm -hmm. in a village in the mountains wow. where you would live in like mud house type of uh, houses and yeah. so I thought do you know what this could this be this could be good for me to seclude myself do you think you would have been able to ha hack in, in a fortunately place like I didn't go there fortunately yeah. <laughs> fortunately yeah. because that same place <clears throat> has been affected badly by the war yeah, and secondly um th yeah the institution is is run by um, a particular group that I don't agree with mm. uh, personally of course I respect them but um, I don't think I would be s seeing uh, eye to eye with many of the other students so it, yeah, might, yeah. it might have been difficult um, yeah and then and then uh, so so I went Umrah and towards my last year not the, the, the end of my year my first year yeah and then I applied to Medina but I didn't get accepted until three years after three years yeah so I, I had to go to university as as a plan B, mm. and going to university was a last minute uh, decision. Okay. Um, I actually applied first Arabic and Islamic studies in British universities, mm. so it's Sowas, Oxford, Cambridge, Exeter, yeah. and Edinburgh, and I was trying my best to get A's so I can go <laughs> to these unis, and I, was, yeah. I, I thought that's it, I'm going to aim for that. But then I changed my mind. I said, you know what, I'm not going to study Arabic and Islamic studies here. Yeah. Um, because it's going to be a different perspective. Uh, even though I was happy with that, I was advised not to. I was advised mm. to study Islam through through s Islamic scholars, not non-Islamic yeah. or non-Muslim scholars, and <coughs> then maybe do your masters in one of these universities. Mm. So I I pulled out my application, 
and I was going to do a free trade business project uh, for a gap year. Yeah. Because I didn't know Jam is going to come. What was this idea? It's still copyrighted, so I hope no one still. <laughs> it was to bring olive trees from Palestine. Okay. And Jordan and Syria. At that time, there was no war in mm. Syria. And to bring them to the UK and sell them to normal people and call them peace trees. Mm. Holy trees, because what Tina was Zaytun in the Quran. Yeah. And the idea was that if you buy this tree, it's going to help the local farmers in these countries. And when you help people trade, you're going to empower them. They're going to be maybe 10 times richer than giving them charity or do donations. Mm. They're going to work hard. They're not going to be dependent on donations and be lazy and have that uh, in them and their families, which will destroy mm. them more. And this is the Sunnah of the Prophet. They said, right. if you are going to sell sticks for people to make a fire and yeah. benefit from that fire, cook with it or, or do whatever with then that is better than stretching your arm and begging people. Mm. So I thought, okay, it will empower people and it will be a like a social enterprise business for myself. And then literally there was like two, three weeks left until university. Mm. And I just went on the clearing website and I saw anthropology available. Okay. Where is it? In a university, t in a university that's three miles away from my house. Okay. And convenient basically and subhanallah it was it was the perfect subject because i was so into sociology to the point where i'll do voluntary assignments and coursework in my holiday mm, wow. <laughs> that's how much i i enjoyed it and so i wanted something similar yeah and uh, i was always looking for anthropology um, but i just didn't know what the name of the course was mm. sometimes in my spare time i used to read about there was a big book with pictures massive book called people and it's about different tribes and nations and mm. languages from all over the world so I, I used to be interested in, in reading this book and then I, anthropology is the study of people and right. cultures and and so on so so i went i went into that Mashallah. Mm. so you went to you went to university um and you know you you, you, you of course you finished the course <clears throat> and it was only after that that you went to to the university of medina right um so no, sorry. Yeah, I didn't finish the the course. Oh, you didn't actually finish it. I studied for two years. Yeah, and um, just before my third year, mm. I found out the news I got accepted. Oh, I see. So it it wasn't planned, and it was it was yeah a really difficult time because my father just passed away at that time, oh, close to that time, and I was going a bit far, you can say, or making it in in what I was doing. Mm. in the career that I was doing, in what I was studying, in some of the positions that I had in, in activism yeah. uh, or da'wah. And then Medina came. So it was going to mm. change everything for me. And I had literally in three weeks, I had to change everything and and be in Medina. Wow. So you, it was a quick turnaround. It was a quick turnaround to Medina. So now just focusing on your, your your life before Medina, so the first couple of years at university, because you mentioned that you were involved quite a bit with, you know, the university, activism, ISOC, events, even FOSIS, right? Um, and subhanAllah, like, I think that's a real positive uh, with the university students, especially here in the UK. They're very, in general, the Muslim students are very active mm. in terms of when it comes to activism, when yeah, it comes mashallah. to charity work. Um, and mashallah, like you obviously, you were involved yourself as well. And then you went to Medina, you've come back 
is it still the same now? Would you say? Do you think it's gone stronger? Like, what is the, you know, what have you observed from the from the university students, the Muslim mm. students in particular? I think uh, so. Just just to just to add, um, so during my time in university, mm. I feared that this this acceptance of of me being in Medina, I can't if if I delay it too much, I'm not gonna get that chance. Yeah. And it was always my dream since college days. I used to of dream course, to yeah. be in Medina. Uh, so I didn't want to lose that opportunity. I said, so I spoke to my university about deferring my course to go to Medina and come back and continue. So that's that's still a plan mm. this September, inshallah. Just the fees are too expensive. We'll speak about student <laughs> loans in, in another in another topic. Yeah, in another time. Um, two things that I learned. Uh, so I was at I was. I started becoming active in college, mm. and I became the the president of student union in college. Okay, for a few reasons, and th- this is because colleges, in particular, they don't have as much freedom mm. as universities. Universities got the Islamic societies, but not knowing, there's a lot of rights for for students in colleges. They just don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is meant to be SUs. And NUS are meant to serve colleges as well, not just uh, universities. But there's more control in colleges. Mm. So many colleges don't have a prayer room. They don't have halal meat. Um, and my college in particular, they were they promoted themselves as, as a secular college. And they didn't even want to let us have Jum'ah prayers. Yeah. They didn't want us to pray in Jama'ah. They said, if you're going to pray in Jama'ah, congregation, maximum two, three people. Wow. Okay. So this is why I decided to to get involved in SU mm. for two reasons. Number one, to bring ease to to the Muslim students. They can eat halal meat. They can pray Juma. They can have a prayer room. Yeah. And to serve the the general uh, non-Muslim students as well. I didn't want to take that position just for. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and um, if you are able to facilitate ease for students and serve them. That is still ajr, even if they're not Muslim. Mm. And if they see it's a Muslim who is making our studies easier for us, facilitating services, doing programs for us, um, then then this is a good way to, to engage and to build good relationships. Uh, so alhamdulillah, I think I think that was a good experience. There was a lot of challenges. The, the principal, the vice principal, they, they tried their best mm. to, to stop uh, us uh, from 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 praying and so on, but through um, you know campaigning and uh, alhamdulillah we managed to get somewhere. Uh, university was was my. It was a big joy for me because I, now I can do whatever I want to do without mm. with less restrictions. In fact, SU they they encourage you to to be involved. Um, I think at my time, people didn't get too involved in in. Uh, people saw it as. This is politics, this is activism, this is campaigns. Mm. Us Muslims shouldn't get involved in it. And um, a lot of Muslims as well, due to personalities really, they feel too shy to come out of the, mm. the box, to to be in the, maybe the light, um, to have meetings with yeah. staff. The, so most Muslims, they just want to go study, Go home. That's it. They don't want to yeah, get involved. They don't in get involved. It's too challenging, and they fear fear challenges. Um, but now, Alhamdulillah, we have more 
of our, our type of brothers who yeah. are involved in ISOX and um, student activism. Previously, anyone who used to be involved with SU, yeah. you won't find him with a beard. Mm. Uh, you'll find him going to parties with... It's not the, the usual practicing Muslim who will get involved in the SU yeah, or NUS. Yeah. But now it's changing. Now, alhamdulillah, Muslims are understanding that there is benefit in political participation. Mm. And this starts in college and in university. Mm. And, um, you know, a lot of young people, they're 18, they get excited, they want to live in this ideal Islamic, you know, society mm. where everything's perfect, yeah. where the whole ummah, they're all united and, and, you know, everyone's following the Quran and so on. But let's give you a small test. Mm. Run your eye sock. Make that successful. Uh, serve the Muslims in, in your university. Serve yeah. the few hundred Muslims. <clears throat> if that goes well, then inshallah you can think about other things. So I, th- I think uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good um, test or training for, for Muslims to develop their skills, yeah. to do something good, to leave a legacy, to serve students. Mm. And there's a benefit as well with, 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 with non-Muslims as well. It's not just about us, us, us. Yeah. Um, we need to clarify to many people who innocently don't know who Muslims are, unfortunately, mm. because they've been getting bad media for 20 years. They've been miseducated. Who's going to change that? Us. Mm. And it's not going to happen unless we get involved and we're with them and we engage and, and we, we discuss and have conversations with them all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's a good, the good thing is, I mean, it's not just the UK anymore because I'm even hearing even in places like uh, the US and uh, mm. like even Germany and other parts of Europe, like alhamdulillah, the the students are getting involved, they're getting together, doing, you know, they're, they're becoming more active, more charity work, etc. I think the point you mentioned is very important because like if you wait until university and everything's finished, then of course, like you've missed out on a lot of time. Mm. And within that time, you could have developed a lot of skills, you know, leadership skills, communication skills. And uh, I think you're right. You have to start with your like community, right? Before one thing to like make a, a, world, a bigger yeah. impact, yeah, you have to start with your with your community. So, alhamdulillah, I mean, it's really great the fact that you were involved with with those things. But then, like we said, all of a sudden, uh, after about two years, things take a turn, and within a few weeks, you're now in, you are <laughs> in the world. ideal place, right? <laughs> you've gone from London, or you've gone from Roehampton Uni to all of a sudden now Medina Uni. So it's like, alhamdulillah, it's a dream come true for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was that transition like? Like, was it? Was it a different world completely? Uh, did you have? Did you find yourself like, you know, you were comfortable, so to speak, here? You were doing your own thing, and now you're completely in a new place. Oh, of course, it's mm. it's home, but end of the day, it's still new. So, what was that experience, that transition like? Subhanallah, um, I can't describe the I can't describe the experience um, how I felt. I remember getting the news, just getting the news that I got accepted. Mm. I couldn't believe it. And uh, it was around 10.30pm. And at that time I was working for um, an Islamic magazine mm. called Al-Jum'ah magazine. And I was so passionate about that work because it's it's educating Muslims. It's, yeah. it's got great articles and stuff. I used to work overtime and I used mm. to... I, I made it part of my life. Um, so I was working late again in the office and then someone texted me saying are you Umar Marwan Hajjaj that's my father's name mm. 
And when he asked me that, I said, Subhanallah, is there something wrong? Because no one knows my, my father's name. Yeah. Uh, people just know me as Umar Hajjaj, maybe, but not. So I said, yes, why? And then he said, check the Medina website. And in, in Medina, when you apply, you have to give your father's name. Mm-hmm. You have to give three names. So I checked the website. There was 30 names there. And in, in the middle, I saw, I saw my name there. Uh-huh. I said, Subhanallah. Yani, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And I, and I felt, we shouldn't say this, but I felt like I don't deserve this. Mm. You know, Allah is being kind and generous to me. He's giving me this gift. Though I know I don't deserve this. Yeah. I know I'm I'm not worth this privilege, this blessing. So I, I went home straight away and I was, I was just thinking about Medina. Of course, there was a lot of things happening at that time. Mm. With families, studies, da'wah, etc. Yeah. work. But my heart wanted to go. I said, no matter how difficult it's going to be to go, I'm going. So there's a lot of questions people will say, you know, what about your studies? <clears throat> You know, study, you know, you're not going to get a job if you go to mm. Medina, stay here, finish your degree, get a job. But I just didn't want to lose it. And then I prayed istikhara. Um, before that, I spoke to my mother straight away. She said, no, you're not going. I don't want you to go. Yeah. You can't go for five years abroad mm. on your own. You're not going. And then... You know, I, s- I remember sitting with her and I was just speaking to her calmly and saying, this is what I want to do, this is my dream, this is yeah. what I wanted to do for, for a long time. And, you know, I'm going to Prophet's Mosque. I'm going to live in, 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 in Medina. There's nothing better than, than mm. that. And subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, she was convinced. Usually, like, my mother was the type that she would never let us sleep out. Yeah, yeah. She would never let me sleep over my friend's house. And so mm. no matter how much I beg her, yeah. Um, and but subhanAllah she, she didn't she felt comfortable when I said Medina and the Prophet's Mosque and so on and then I spoke to uh, Imam Wasim Kempson as well cause yeah. who studied in Medina University and I, I said just to be like comfortable I said what about my studies what? he said go go mm. go get everything go you don't know that if, if you delay it for a year <coughs> things can change you're going to lose your visa you're not going to yeah. so I w- I spoke to to my university, and to my surprise, they were they were they were like, "Okay, that sounds great. Mm. That's a great opportunity." Yeah, they said go, <laughs> and then when you come back, yeah, you know, we stayed in touch in email. By email, will you can you can defer your studies or you can do your degree somewhere else. You can transfer mm. to a different university. So I said, "Okay," and it, and and my plan was to continue studying anthropology. Yeah. So I, which didn't happen to be honest, uh, while I was in Medina. Mm. But, sorry, just to add, I think I did study anthropology practically there. Because Medina, you know, anthropology is about diversity of different people. Mm. And subhanAllah, Medina, that university was a mini village of students from 120 countries. Some who came from the jungle, literally. Mm. Some who came from Brazil. Some who came from Papua New Guinea. Some who came from countries that you've never heard of, Mm. I've never heard of. So it was it was amazing <coughs> to mix with them and learn s- so many new things. So I think that was the real anthropology that, yeah, that yeah. I learned. Sounds like it. So you know, you know, like I've been to Medina, right? Alhamdulillah, I've, I've been blessed to go for five times for Umrah. Mashallah. And of course, like afterwards, you go to Medina, and those few days that you spend in Medina, it's like it's home. You know, the the peace, serenity, everything, right? <clears throat> so, 
like I, I can just imagine myself if I went to Medina and if, if I knew I was living there for the next four or five however many years I'd become so comfortable you know I'd just I'd just be in like a bubble kind of thing right mm. and then all of the things that I did in the UK and you know mm. in my home I, I'd start to forget you know like there is there's a community there and mm. of course we need to serve that community as well there's mm. a need there so it's easy to just sort of drift off but is that what happened with you or mm. because you still continued working with the youth somehow right yes. so so let's talk about that and the importance mm. of you know not for example just going away and forsaking your yes. people so to speak yeah so yes. so what what was it that you got up to whilst you were there mm. that's that's a good question actually uh i remember the first couple of days just being alone mm. not knowing anyone trying to get to one office in like a a, a a building that's like 20 minutes walk away and it's so hard mm-hmm. yeah there was that struggle but i i enjoyed that struggle i enjoyed like no one knows me here yeah i can i can just focus on connecting with allah so i remember during the day i'm running around different places getting paperwork done and stuff meeting new people like seeing new faces just observing and then that same night i remember walking in the jama it's after Maghreb, it's peaceful, it's quiet, the masjid is here, the faculties are here, the accommodation is here, there's a shop here, restaurant here, mm. a place to wash your clothes. I said, subhanAllah, I can imagine myself living here. It's so humbling and just looking up the sky and thinking, subhanAllah, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Like mm. there's, there's nothing better than this, alhamdulillah. And I, and I said to myself, there's nothing better to do as well in your life than take this journey of seeking knowledge. Of course, we know whoever takes the path of seeking knowledge, Allah will make Jannah easy for that person. Yeah. However, that doesn't mean seeking knowledge becomes easy. Because yeah. Jannah is not cheap. <clears throat> so so I said, I said this, this is amazing. At that time, we didn't even have WhatsApp. I didn't have internet. Um, um, I had to go to the internet cafe just to send emails to, mm. to, to my family. But it, w- it was good. I think... I needed it. Yeah. And more than the knowledge, this is what I wanted. I wanted like Zuhud. I wanted to like a new chapter. To own space, uh, just be away a bit. Yeah, I want yeah. I wanna like try to get my Iman to a higher level and so on. That 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 was my main aim and I didn't mind just being alone. Mm. However, um after a few months the ISOC and FOSIS and the campaigns and stuff. Um, I tried to bring it to Medina University. Okay. I remember my first week, because I used to, you know, read the Metro every morning. Mm. So I wanted a newspaper. So I'm going to the shop. of. There's a shop inside Jama. They don't have any newspapers. So I'm saying, how can Jama Islamiya not have a newspaper? These students are meant to be the leaders in the future, the, mm. the scholars in the future. They must know what's going around, what's going on around the world. Yeah. So every person I'm asking, they laughed at me. So why do you want a newspaper? No one reads newspaper. And literally none of the students. So there was this bubble. And then you meet a student. Oh, Sheikh Khudair is coming. Sheikh Khudair has got so much ilm. There's this Torah and people are just running there yeah. and then running there. And literally, you know... Uh, what's happening in Syria what's happening in Palestine no clue mm. and at, at that time in particular there was problems in, in, in Gaza and subhanAllah it really affected me like uh, mm. I'll stay up till midnight not being able to sleep um, and you know going on, on connecting on the Wi-Fi near the Haram one of the hotels <laughs> on my laptop 
but coming back to the jamma, no one cared or no one yeah. knew about it. So on. Um, then I met some some of the British brothers, some of the American brothers, and uh, some of the mashayikh. Um, there was one sheikh that he's from Riyadh. I knew him before. He introduced me to some of the mashayikh in Medina, yeah. who got projects and and things going on. And uh, the sheikh he vouched for me. He said this guy used to be in ISOCs and used to be in, mm. in in youth work and so on. So through meeting these mashayikh, they said we want you to 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 do stuff for the for the UK students, because. The reputation of the UK students to the mashayikh that is, they're all, they are all, a lot of them drop out. They're all very serious. They don't mm. say salam to anyone. Um, they're not friendly. They don't have any activism. Whereas uh, the Malaysian students, they have gatherings, they have trips, they have mm. things going on. They pick up the new students. So they were saying, 10 years we've had nothing from the, from the British people. So we wanted to start that. So that was, um, I tried to do that in, in the first year. It was a bit challenging yeah. because I was just a new student and I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. Mm. But literally there was nothing going on. There was no football. There was no trips. There was no... There's no activities. No activities, like, I thought. Yeah, yeah. What's going on here? Everyone's we was serious. Everyone's just like... Yeah, yeah and yeah. we should be even more... We should have an ISOC style or more than the UK because we're students. Mm. And we need this bond bonding and this brotherhood because we want to cooperate in the future so that that can be stronger. Yeah, yeah. No one, no one, like hardly anyone realized this until I met a few brothers. Mm. Ashraf Dabous, he's a mutakharraj now, yeah. mashallah. He's deputy imam of Lusham. Uh, Ustaz um, Saleh Abu Muhammad, imam in Tarbiya. His brother as well, Ustaz Abu Khalid Imran. Uh, Ustaz Muhammad Uthman Abu Safiya. So some of these brothers, Ustaz Abdul Karim, Ustaz Mustafa, we met and that's where it started. Yeah. We said we need to do something. Um, we need to create a brotherhood. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, Alhamdulillah, things things started. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, so it's 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 a really important point, the fact that yeah. not just not just scholars, uh, students of knowledge, but even, you know, uh, people who are active Muslim leaders in the community um to not basically shut themselves off but to actually get involved and to be aware as well you know like we said yeah you travel brilliant alhamdulillah it's a, it's a it's a it's a very noble thing to travel and seek knowledge but don't forget you know your community and and try to serve them because end of the day uh, i'm sure you know that uh, you know better when when it comes to ilm and when it comes to knowledge that you have to do something with it right it's yeah. not just it's not just keeping the knowledge to yourself and not act uh, not Applying acting upon it for yeah. yourself and giving something back so then then there was this the uh, then there was this new sort of thing mashallah that you that you started doing um which was the 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 youth tours right where you now started involving the youth from the uk and uh, not only involving them but bringing them to medina for Amr. So, so tell us a bit about um that and, and how that came about right okay um so alhamdulillah there was a few youth activities before going to medina mm. you know like sleepovers uh, youth clubs um trips and so on and then um when i used to come back to the uk i used to spend my summer doing youth activities mm. mainly and programs and then um two years before i finished my studies I said I wanted to do something bigger, mm. and that's same taste that I'm getting from from Medina, 
I want to make a mini program mm -hmm. for like 10 days or a week for the youth in the UK. So some of the things or locations that I've visited and I ha I've had like special experiences, um, an enjoyable program, but a spiritual at the same time. Yeah. Because I believe that if you just give the youth or if you promote the uh, to the youth that come to this ilmi, knowledge-based pr program, mm. this course, they're not interested in that. Mm. Um, but if you tell them there's quad biking, there's horse riding, there's desert nights, there's trips, there's um, villa nights and so on, they will come. Sounds appealing. It sounds, sounds appealing. appealing. It, sounds, it sounds like the trip of my life. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of them were attracted to it, alhamdulillah. And then who are they spending time with? They're spending time with you know, friendly, down-to-earth Medina students. Mm. So they'll say, okay, religious people are not that bad. <laughs> They're actually quite fun. I, I can get along with them. I can look up to them. Yeah. Right? Okay, I wouldn't mind to start practicing. And maybe I'll be a Medina student one day as well. Or maybe I'll study the, mm. the religion. Um, and then, you know, we, we indirectly try to influence them by being their friend. Once they love you, they will listen to you. Mm. So we created that you know, bonding with them. And then we had some small like sessions and group discussions and, and workshops, drama plays. Then we introduced them to some of the, the great scholars who many of us would love to meet. Yeah. And I used to say before the Sheikh will come, I used to say, I know you won't appreciate right now who the Sheikh is. I could tell you he's a professor. I could tell you he has, he's got a special chi uh, sorry, chair in the Masjid of the Prophet. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean much to you. But one day I hope you will say that when I was 14, 15 years old, I met Sheikh Shankiti. Mm. Um, and yeah, so, so they, they have special private access to, the, to these scholars. Uh, alhamdulillah, we've taken mm. around 300 youth mm. so far to Mecca and Medina to perform Umrah and to have hopefully an inspirational program. Mm. And we are still connected with a lot of these young people in uh, follow-up programs. So we hope Inshallah Ta'ala bi'idhnillah Ta'ala that it, it's got some positive impact yeah, to the yeah. youth and can hopefully change how, it for the how better. How many trips have you done uh, like this? So we've done uh, approximately seven <coughs> trips okay. so far. We've got another one coming up mm. next month, Inshallah, okay. for the ISOX. Inshallah. This is a different one. This is for university and college students. Okay, brilliant, Inshallah. Mm -hmm. I mean, because the thing is, with, with, with the youngsters... Um, they seem to be, you know, moving away from from the deen and from the religion, and of course there needs to be a way to to pull them back in, right? You know, whether they're getting involved in, you know, be it gang violence or drug mm -hmm. abuse in extreme cases, or just, you know, just not interested. Some of them they might not be up to no good, but mm. they're just not interested in the deen either. Yeah. You know, they're just going to college, uni, getting a job, and just going on with their lives. So do you feel like that? Um, you know, we could say. Um, the way you're doing things and, and that mindset to have, you know, instead of trying to really um, throw the deen in their face kind of thing, you know, mm. like in your face, like, you know, come to the masjid mm. or, you know, read some Quran and, and, mm. and, and become better rather than doing that, which, of course, you know, ultimately is the aim. We, we do need to also, you know, enjoy a bit and, and yeah. allow them to have a bit of fun. And yeah. they're young at the end of the day and, yeah. and that's what they're seeing around them. Yeah. Right. So do you feel like that's also, you know, that's. That's we could say that's the route we need to go down. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because Islam is about understanding your society, your community, your mm. people, and you need to understand youth. 
young you need to understand young people and the the the, the obligation is not to teach them mm. these books and for them to become students of knowledge and scholars our obligation is to make them love islam mm. to make them love allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make them pray yeah. for me that's that's enough for now when they're ready and they want to you know take further steps yes we will support them we will facilitate for them to to, to study and to take programs which many of them end up doing alhamdulillah mm. but the the first approach the first steps is very important we we can see the results of people who were forced to go to madrasas mm. and quran and they left practicing altogether and these were people who memorized quran you know whereas those who came with a willing heart yeah and um they felt the brotherhood. A lot of people that I speak to, and I ask them, how did they practice? Those who are like leaders in the community now, running masjids and so on. A lot of them said it was a trip. Mm. There, there was this trip I went with the brothers. It was this night out once, you know, went with the brothers. We had so much fun. And then we spoke about the deen. And then I, I repented. I started becoming a practicing Muslim. Yeah. It wasn't forced. It wasn't... Um, through these these approaches, so I think I think it's very important we understand the mentality of of youngsters. We're, we're mm. gentle with them, we're easygoing, and sometimes we need to do a lot of taqaful. Taqaful means blind eye to matters that should be dealt with later. Yeah, yeah. There's bigger problems to focus on. Okay, I can keep a blind eye on a few things mm. and and sort it out later because I got something more important to to deal with because we can't solve every problem and we shouldn't expect uh you know an idealistic uh, solution we should accept the reality mm. and do a khafil darane and keep minimizing the evil you know if someone okay he might not be studying the deen but at least he's away from haram alhamdulillah mm. so that's a good step there's different levels of people and uh, the prophet salam was the perfect model for us yeah. he spent a lot of his time with the youth and he knew how to deal with them and different types of of Shabab and he was very easy going mm. with the Shabab. Mm. He is not from us, the one who doesn't show rahmah, mercy, compassion, care, gentleness to the youth. Mm-hmm. This is the kalam of the Prophet. Ali, salatu wassalam. Oh, salam. I mean, with the millennial generation now, it's known as the millennial generation, right? right uh, in the in the day and age of social media and, and mm. te- technology. Um, I mean, we, we're seeing this slight um, generational gap so to speak so what mm. would your advice be uh, firstly we're going we're gonna to have two pieces of advice inshallah to end off with right. your, fir- your first piece of advice to those from the older generation because you've already given one in terms mm. of rahmah having that compassion with the youngsters so mm. what would your advice be with those who like you know a bit older uh, we say old school mm. and you know might not of course can't relate to the youngsters your youngsters can't relate to them but you know long term it can have a negative impact by either Either just ignoring the problem and saying, oh, just you get on with your thing mm. and I get on with mine. Or, you know, actually going about it the wrong way and dealing with them the wrong way. It could have a negative impact mm. on the on the youngsters. So what would your advice be to those from the older generation? Let's start with that. Yeah, I think uh, being their friend, mm. spending lots of good quality time with them. Yeah. And uh, even if it's something, it's, it's not Islamic, but it's mubah, you mm. know, it's, it's ledger. <clears throat> it's good quality family time you will find that someone will open up to a friend that he trusts. This friend that's not going to judge me, that's not going to tell me off, that's not going to look down on me. I would open up and I would tell him my issues because I trust that person. Mm. So I I think that should be established between parents and that generation. 
be their friend, be close to them, mm. bond and engage with them. And then you will find that they would follow you, they would listen to you, they would respect you. Mm. And, um, you know, young people are not as bad as people think, <laughs> subhanAllah. They're not as bad as people think. They're, they're actually intelligent, smart, and they're understanding. Mm. Um, you know, if, if, if you, you know, as Ali radiallahu anhu, he said, put yourself in the people's level. Do mm. not speak to them about things that they can't comprehend. Yeah. So similarly, just be on the level of, of the shabab and you'll be one of them, inshallah. And There's a lot of potential, right, in, yeah, the, in, absolutely. in, the, in the youngsters nowadays. Absolutely. And, and the final piece of advice would be for the youngsters themselves. What, you know, and, and many of them are listening or, or watching. Inshallah. So what would your advice, inshallah, be to, to the younger generation? Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. This is a difficult one, actually. Mm. So I don't usually give them advice. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, just try to spend time with them uh, mm. unless they, they ask me. But um, so it could be, you know, a youngster who's not necessarily, um, you know, uh, on a high level of re religiosity, but it could be someone who's trying to find their way, you know, maybe um, hasn't realized their own potential yet. So what would your advice be? in terms of the way they're going about things, you know, or the way they're dealing with the older generation as well? I would say, yani, <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there for you. Mm. Regardless how young you are, Allah is the one who, who, who understands your situation more than your parents, more than your your family. And call to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Try to become closer to him. And you will find that he would give you that comfort and guidance in your life, inshallah ta'ala, and know that Islam is happiness. Mm. It's not a strict, you know, difficult part. You'll be more happy if you follow Islam, even in this age. And you'll be, inshallah ta'ala, one of those who will be under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment when there will be no shade except the shade of Allah. Is mm. a shab nasha'a. He lived his life, his youth, fi ta'atillah, in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And take advantage of your youth before you become old. You got mm -hmm. the energy, you got the time, you got the sharpness, the smartness. Use this now. Yeah. Use your curiosity that you have to learn more about the religion. If you start from now, you can be like Imam Nawawi. Mm -hmm. Imam Nawawi started in his youth. He was young when he studied. By the age of 40, he passed away. Look at the legacies that he left behind. Mm -hmm. Imam Bukhari, 25 years old as well. And he's Imam Bukhari that narrated the hadith that uh, or recorded and compiled the hadith that we have so yeah. start now <laughs> definitely start now you are better than me because if you start from this young age you'll be better than than most of us yeah, you can yeah. achieve much more if you start now now alhamdulillah i think that's a really good uh, uh, a note to end on in terms of the advice for the older generation and the advice for the youngsters um alhamdulillah I think we've covered quite a bit uh, from the very beginning so jazakallah uh, khairan thank you so much uh, for joining us and for sharing yeah. Uh, your wisdoms with us and uh, and uh, of course barakallahu uh, feekum to to all of our listeners and all of our viewers um, we thank uh, Ustad Umar Hajjaj for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it, inshallah. And to take those, uh, you know, to take all of the, the wisdoms and all of the piece of advice on board, inshallah. Uh, and to, of course, check out uh, all of the work that uh, Ustad is doing, especially with the youth tours, inshallah. Uh, you never know, you might be with him, inshallah, on a trip to the Holy Lands uh, in the near future, inshallah. So uh, we end here. Thank you so much once again. Uh, please do, inshallah, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Keep an eye out on our social media. We have plenty 
more episodes of these podcasts coming your way, inshallah. From myself, Shabir, and the rest of the team. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.